Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. This episode deals with graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. You cut off his arms, you cut off his legs, you cut off his head. How could you miss his dick? How could you miss his dick, dick? Hamilton, Ontario, 1946. A headless human torso is discovered by a group of children. A dead baby is found in a suitcase and a beautiful young woman is sent to prison for murder. But after serving only 11 years of a life sentence, she is released and given a new identity and a whole new life, courtesy of the National Parole Board. And then she simply disappears. I'm Catherine Fogarty, and in this podcast, I'm bringing Evelyn Dick back to life, the irresistible femme fatale who was the central figure in one of the most shocking murder cases in Canadian history. This is Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? Episode 5. Bill Did It. On Friday, March 22nd, the police made a startling discovery in the attic of Evelyn Dick's home at 32 Carrick Avenue. While investigating the murder of her husband, John Dick, they discovered the mummified remains of a newborn baby boy in a brown suitcase. The infant was identified as Peter David White, the healthy son Evelyn gave birth to 18 months prior in September 1944. At the time, Evelyn left the hospital with the baby, but later showed up at her parents' house alone, claiming to have left the infant with the Children's Aid Society to be put up for adoption. No one ever questioned or confirmed her story, and the baby was never seen again. Now, the police have two murders on their hands, and the suspect list is growing. Hamilton historian Mark McNeil. Her mother and father, you know, the baby disappears, and you know, what what is their uh, degree of involvement or knowledge about about uh, what happened to this kid? That that is, I think, goes to the heart of what what makes this whole thing intriguing. All these years later, is the lack of closure. There's just like so many mysteries associated with this. But before confronting Evelyn about the discovery of the baby. 
Inspector Wood and Sergeant Preston wanted to question her about the human bone fragments found in the ashes in her basement and driveway. Evelyn was brought to the police station from the Barton Street Jail and was told what the police had uncovered at her home. Without seeming surprised or concerned, Evelyn informed the police that she would now finally tell them the whole story. Evelyn, who had only still been charged with vagrancy, was given the usual statutory police warnings about her rights. Then, as Sergeant Preston took notes, Evelyn began her next story. This statement was a continuation of the previous one in which she blamed her ex-lover, Bill Bohozik, for the murder of John Dick. It was Bohozik who had hired the gangster Romanelli to kill John. She had nothing to do with it. According to Evelyn, Bohozik called her on the afternoon of March 6 to tell her that he had finally got John Dick. Later that day, she met up with Tony Romanelli, who gave her John's bloodied watch chain and some other items of John's. Then Romanelli asked to borrow the Packard sedan, which Evelyn reluctantly agreed to. But when Romanelli returned the car, it was covered in blood. And that wasn't all. In the back seat, wrapped in a piece of cloth, was part of John Dick's face, which was all smashed, and there were also some other body parts. Romanelli told Evelyn he had tried to burn them, but wasn't successful. He then took the body parts out of the car and left them in the garage. Evelyn stated she then returned the car to the Grafton Street garage and took a taxi home. When she arrived home, she told her mother that John Dick had been fixed, put out of business. Evelyn expected Bill Bohozik or Romanelli to come back to remove the body parts from the garage, but they never did. It was clear to the police that Evelyn was going to say she had no choice in burning the leftover body parts in her coal furnace. But before she could finish her statement, Inspector Wood was called out of the room for an important phone call. When Inspector Wood returned to the room, he informed Evelyn that the body of a baby encased in cement had been found in a suitcase in her attic. How did Evelyn respond? She told the inspector she had heard about it, but her lawyer had told her not to say anything. When Wood once again left the room, Evelyn informed Sergeant Preston that she did indeed have something to say about the baby in the attic. She knew who had killed him. It was Bill Bohozik. Not only had her ex-lover arranged to have John Dick killed, but he had also strangled her newborn. Hamilton playwright and producer Brian Morton. Depending on which statement you believe, uh, she says Bill Bohozik strangled it. There's no question that there is a knot around the baby's neck because it's still there when they find it encased in cement. So the baby was strangled. Question comes, who strangled it and why? Preston wasn't surprised that Evelyn was immediately pointing the finger at someone else. But before he could question her any further, their interview was interrupted by her new lawyer, Walter Tucci. Tucci instructed his client to say nothing further. 
The police had heard more than enough from Evelyn Dick, and they could see how she was changing her story each time new evidence was uncovered. First, she knew nothing. Then, she was in the car when the torso was dumped over the mountain. And in her latest statement, she wasn't even in the car, but body parts had been left at her home. But regardless of her many contradictory statements, there was the physical evidence that the police had collected. And it was this evidence that was going to tell them the truth about what happened to John Dick. Other than the fact of her driving that Packard sedan, there's nothing that links her to this crime. It's all circumstantial. On Saturday, March 23rd, Hamilton pathologist Dr. Dedman examined the car Evelyn had been seen trying to back into her garage on the afternoon of March 6th. Dr. Dedman later testified that he found blood on numerous spots in the car and a bloodied necktie still tied in the back seat. In addition, he also examined the sweater Bill Landick had found in the car. All of the bloodstains proved to be type O, the same as John Dick's. Dr. Dedman also examined the shirt that had been found by the city workers on March 7th. It too had type O bloodstains on the collar. The day after he examined the Packard sedan, Dr. Dedman returned his attention to the ashes that had been sent to the city morgue to be sifted and sorted. The pathologist and his assistant found two human teeth as well as various pieces of bone. In his expert opinion, the bone fragments were part of a human skull, jawbone, arm bones, and parts of a lower leg. Based on Dr. Denman's findings, it was obvious to the police that the body parts removed from John Dick's torso had been burned at Evelyn Dick's house and the ashes had been spread out in the garage and driveway. The physical evidence was clear, but it still didn't tell the police who had actually killed John Dick and then dismembered him. His estranged wife was certainly involved, but how? There's nothing that convicts her one way or another. It's incriminating, but it's not her being found with a gun in her hand, right? The balance of probability is that she helped dispose of the body. The fact that John Dick's bone fragments and teeth were found in the furnace at Carrick Avenue and in the, uh, the floor of the garage because she had scattered ashes on the floor of the garage. All of it says that, yes, she almost certainly had something to do with the disposal of the body. She almost certainly had something to do with hiding the crime after the fact. But who killed John Dick? My gut reaction was always that John Dick uh, was murdered by her father, Donald McLean. But I doubt Donald pulled the trigger. I think there's probably somebody that got paid to pull the trigger. Donald McLean certainly had motive to kill because John Dick was threatening to expose his scam of stealing used bus tickets and reselling them. But what about Bill Bohozik? Evelyn told the police that it was her ex-lover who had paid the mob to take care of John Dick. He does seem to have had some underworld connections, and he's a little shady, and he definitely goes through girlfriends. There's no question he was a really handsome, beefcakey kind of guy, and he was famous in the community, and there were lots of girls who kind of, you know, uh, desired him. But why would he kill Evelyn's newborn son, as she had claimed? Obviously, for a popular guy around town, he had definitely picked the wrong girl to go out on a few dates with. 
On Tuesday, March 26th, 10 days after John Dick's torso was discovered on Hamilton Mountain by a group of kids out for a picnic, his attractive widow, Evelyn, was charged with his murder. Asked if she had anything to say, Evelyn admitted that the first two statements she had given the police were false, but her third one had been the truth. She wanted to finish her last statement, but her lawyer, Mr. Tucci, had been very direct with her and had warned her to keep her mouth shut. But that seemed hard for Evelyn, and before she was escorted back to the Barton Street Jail, she asked Inspector Wood one final question. When would they be charging Bill Bohuzak with murder? Evelyn didn't have to wait long for the answer, because three days later, on Friday, March 29th, Bill Bohuzak was also charged with the murder of John Dick. And as he and Evelyn stood in front of the same magistrate at the Hamilton Courthouse, they were jointly charged with the murder of Peter David White, Evelyn's newborn son. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. While Evelyn Dick and Bill Bohozik sat in jail awaiting their preliminary hearings, 
the police continued their investigation into the murder of John Dick. Having confirmed that the bloodied shoes they discovered at Donald McLean's house were indeed John Dick's, they returned once again to the cellar in the house at 214 Roslyn Avenue. Using a powerful searchlight, they discovered a bullet-sized hole in a furnace pipe and another in a large wooden box. Moving the box, they found a spent 32 caliber bullet on the floor. Donald McLean had already been charged with theft from his employer and was out on bail, but his daughter Evelyn would soon change that. On Friday, April 12th, from her jail cell, Evelyn asked to speak with Detective Sergeant Preston. She had another question. This time, she wanted to know when the police were going to arrest her father. Why? asked the detective. Because he loaned Bohozak the gun, said Evelyn. She went on to further implicate her father by saying he was the person who had paid Bohozak three or four hundred dollars to get rid of John. My father hated John's guts, she added. Evelyn then proceeded to change her story for the fourth time, saying she was in the Borald Packard sedan with her husband and Bill Bohozak on March the 6th. They drove up Hamilton Mountain, and Bohozak shot John Dick three times with her father's gun. Detective Preston listened patiently to Evelyn's new story, but he wanted specific details. What was in the car when she tried to park it in her garage later that afternoon? John's body, said Evelyn. She told Preston that the body was left in the garage until Bohoza came back and dismembered it. Then, parts of the body were burned at her father's house on Roslyn Avenue. Evelyn admitted to only burning a few pieces of skin and flesh that had been left lying around the garage. She then suggested she could verify her story if the detective drove her up to Hamilton Mountain. Preston wasn't sure if that was a good idea, but said he would confer with Inspector Wood. Before leaving the interview room, Preston handed Mrs. Dick two chocolate bars, a kind gesture that would later come back to haunt him during her trials. Later that day, Inspector Wood and Detective Preston embarked on a bizarre reenactment of Evelyn Dick's forced story about the murder of her husband. Wood drove as Evelyn issued directions from the back seat. She stuck to her story about Bohozak shooting John with her father's gun. But the police did not uncover any physical evidence along the route to back up her story. When they got back to the police station, Evelyn was asked if she wanted to write out her latest statement. Evelyn initially agreed, but then later changed her mind. And the following day, she told her lawyer that she had been taken in a car with the police against her will and subjected to intense questioning. But regardless of Evelyn's behavior and ever-changing story, the police had made a significant decision with respect to the case. And on Monday, April 15th, Evelyn's father, Donald McLean, was charged with John Dick's murder. But standing in the prisoner's dock to hear the charges against him, the stocky Scotsman was not alone. 
Evelyn's mother, Alexandra McLean, stood beside her estranged husband and was also charged with murder. And since all of the McLeans were now behind bars, Evelyn's four-year-old daughter, Heather, was placed in the care of the Children's Aid Society. Who you really have to feel badly for, of course, is, is Heather, who later changes her name to Maria and basically grows up on East 34th Street and spends the whole 1950s as the daughter of Evelyn Dick. On the morning of April 24, 1946, a large group of spectators gathered at the Barton Street Jail to catch a glimpse of the four co-accused in the murder of John Dick. Hundreds more waited at the police station, hoping to get a seat inside the small courtroom on the second floor for the preliminary hearing. Dozens of newsmen and photographers had also descended on the city to report on what was shaping up to be a sensational murder trial. And for the next six months, every aspect of the case, including Evelyn Dick's courtroom fashions, would be splashed across the front page of every major newspaper in Canada. On that day, it was reported that Evelyn was smartly dressed in a fawn, fur-trimmed coat and a black beret, while her handsome ex-lover wore a blue suit and a brightly striped tie. In contrast, Evelyn's parents were drab in their appearance. On the first day of the preliminary hearing, Crown Attorney Harvey McCullough proceeded on the charges against Bill Bohuzak and Evelyn Dick on the murder of her newborn baby. At first, Evelyn refused to testify against Bohuzak, but when the judge threatened her with contempt of court, she said that Bill was the father of the dead baby and that he had strangled it. Bohuzak's lawyer, William Schreiber, knew there was no other evidence against his client other than Evelyn's accusations. He knew she was lying about who killed the baby and who had fathered it. He then proceeded to ask her about other men she had slept with. Wasn't it a fact that she'd had intercourse with multiple men? Only a few, stated Evelyn. But the lawyer pressed on. He wanted names. Bill Bohuzak replied Evelyn. And who else, the lawyer demanded. The judge's son, said Evelyn calmly. There was a stunned silence in the courtroom. Evelyn Dick had just admitted to sleeping with Judge Burbage's son. But even that startling admission wasn't enough for Bohozak's lawyer. He then proceeded to list the names of numerous prominent Hamilton men, including a druggist, a furrier, a stockbroker, and two well-known lawyers. Had Evelyn's little black book of secrets been exposed? To say the least, the judge was not amused. Through that, it, it became uh, known about this, this black book that uh, she uh, had, had basically ended up with a lot of well-known people in the city. And uh, so there was, there was an effort, uh, not the least of which by the, by the judge to keep this under wraps. He apparently uh, expunged this exchange that took place where his son was pointed to as a, a person that she, and she spent some uh, quality time with. Bohozak's lawyer then accused Evelyn of lying about the father of her children, 
by inventing a military husband, Norman White. She didn't want people knowing her children were born out of wedlock. Or was she covering up something even more sinister? Playwright Brian Morton suggests many people around Hamilton had a different theory about Evelyn's unplanned pregnancies and the murder of her son. Peter David White McLean is a product of incest. Her own father is the father of that child. And as a result, the reason it is murdered is because it is the child of her own father. When Bohosik's lawyer accused Evelyn of having an incestuous relationship with her father resulting in pregnancy, Evelyn emphatically denied the suggestion. I think the likely person who murdered that child is either Donald or even stronger is Alexandra. It's an abomination that can't be allowed to live. But despite other theories and no real evidence tying Bill Bohozak to the murder of Evelyn's infant son, the judge still decided that the 27-year-old oarsman would stand trial for the murder of the baby. Bohozak and his lawyer were stunned. How could this be possible? He had nothing to do with the creation or the demise of Evelyn Dick's baby. He had been railroaded. But for the normally confident and carefree athlete, his nightmare was just beginning. The following day, on Friday, April 26th, Evelyn once again testified in front of Judge Burbage. Sticking to the last story she gave the police, she said Bill Bohozak had killed her husband with her father's gun, and together the two men had disposed of the body. After three hours of closed-door testimony, the judge ordered William Bill Bohozak, Donald McLean, and Evelyn Dick to stand trial for the murder of John Dick. The judge declared there wasn't enough evidence to proceed against Evelyn's mother, Alexandra McLean, but she would eventually be called to testify against her husband and daughter. The day after the preliminary hearings, every major newspaper across Canada was covering the story. And even some American news outlets like Time Magazine and Newsweek ran features on the case. It was the first big news story after the war, and the public were riveted by every gruesome detail. Television broadcasting was still several years away, so people turned to newspapers and the radio to get the latest gossip on the femme fatale. For the people living in Hamilton, everyone had a story about Evelyn Dick. Rumors of her sexual exploits were a hot topic in every social circle. Was she a paid escort or simply a party girl with a less than stellar reputation? Who were the powerful and mostly married men supposedly listed in her little black book? And did any of them father her three children? But the residents of Steeltown and the rest of the country would have to wait to find out if Evelyn would reveal any of her salacious secrets. Her murder trial wasn't scheduled to begin until October. And that was five months away. On the next episode of Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? Hundreds line up outside the Hamilton Courthouse as Canada's most sensational murder trial begins. But with three people accused of murder, who will the jury believe? 
who was the person who actually pulled the trigger, who did the threatening. Did they bring in a mobster heavy to kind of, you know, try to make him sense or to maybe beat the shit out of him? Did he respond in a hostile or lethal way to this beating and that then turned into murder? We don't know because those are tales that we can never know. There are probably four people that know what happened to John Dick and none of them ever talked. And what secrets will Evelyn's mother reveal when she is put on the stand to testify against her own daughter? Evelyn, oh Evelyn, it's been a very long time since you went away from here. Your cigarette and big Mrs. Dick is written and produced by Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers Music. The song Evelyn Dick is written and performed by Mark McNeil. Special thank you to Mark McNeil and Brian Morton. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. For more information on this episode and other podcasts, visit us at storyhunterpodcasts.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.